Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Good morning, church. How's everyone today? Good? Good, 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 good. All right. Put your hand up if you're here today. No, it's a test. It's a test. Let's see if we're all, we're all here. <laughs> We just remain standing for like only for a moment. I just want to enter into a time of prayer. I feel that we need to start today with prayer before we step into the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for what you've already done and what you will do. I thank you, Lord, that this morning is going to be a, a, a pivot, Lord, a shift, a change in direction, Father, that we're no longer walking down our own path, but we're walking down your path. I thank you, Lord, that there's even a path for us to walk onto to begin with, regardless of whether it's our choice or your choice or someone else's choice. I thank you, Lord, that you've already paved the path prepared for us to step into, for us to receive breakthrough, for us to witness breakthrough, and for us to pioneer breakthrough, not only in our family, but in other people's families and, and in our communities and in our children. And even in our parents, Father, those that are the elders above us, thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to carry such an anointing, that it does, it, it does no bounds, there's no limits. And I thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have a lot to get through today. Um, it won't take too long, but it will be something that we'll be going through. Um, well, in your own time, I won't be there at home going through your stuff with you, but unless you watch the video online. But with the notes that we'll be going through, what you'll be writing down are, are keys. And it's the thing that God wanted to highlight for us is that the things that he's depositing in us this morning are keys. Keys to what, you're wondering? Keys to freedom. We all want to be free. We all want to live a life of freedom. The Word tells us and promises us a life of freedom for us to be free. But at times, we feel like the complete opposite. Sometimes we feel like, yeah, the Word tells us that we're free, but I'm still at the same spot. I'm still facing the same situations. I'm still facing the same challenges. I'm still facing that same person at work. He's still giving me a hard time. She's still giving me a hard time. You think, is this freedom or is this not freedom? But I want to tell you that God has a full intention for you to be free. And this morning you have the opportunity to carry these keys and to step into freedom. And not just a temporary freedom where we feel free for one day, we feel good for one day, and then the next day we've, we've plummeted back because it's a Monday and we're heading back to work. But this is something that we can, this is a key that will continue to unlock doors for us, for our family and those around us, that we can all step into freedom in. Now, one of the things that God has highlighted that hinders us from this freedom is this heavy word of complacency, of being slowed down, of being stagnant, of being still, not moving. And God wants to break that today. And so, the title of my message for us this morning is Keep It Moving. Keep It Moving. Now, that's something that we desire for God to do, of course. We want God to continue to be moving in our life. We don't want a boring, stagnant life. We want a life full of excitement. We want a life full of intention and purpose. And God desires that for us as well. God desires for us to be intentional. God desires for us to be purposeful. Not, in, not just here in church, not just here in, in these four walls of this room, but at home, in our workplace, at our schools, in our universities. Anywhere that we step into, God has placed a purpose. So for us this morning, for those of us that are here, you are here for a purpose. There is something here that God is going to deposit in you this morning that is anointed with purpose, that is anointed with intention. You're not here by accident. 
You're not here because, I don't know, maybe it is, but you're not here because it's just another Sunday that you have to attend church. But there's something here this morning, and I want to challenge you, if we are aware, if we are aware of what God is doing at this present time, you're going to be collecting things that God is depositing in your life that will see breakthrough in your family and in other people. And it's not just this Sunday, it's not just because I'm speaking, but every Sunday, next week, the week after that, the week after that. But the beautiful thing is, for God to continue to keep moving, it needs to happen every day. So what does that mean? That means that what he has for you, what he's going to deposit in you, is a daily thing. The word tells us that he is our daily bread, right? It's not a weekly bread. It's not an annual monthly bread, it's a daily bread. So today you're going to receive deposits, but tomorrow you're going to receive deposits, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And that's what it, needs, that's what it means to, to keep it moving, right? To keep receiving, to, to continue flowing, to continue pouring out, to continue to be intentional and purposeful. So as much as we want God to keep moving in our lives, God also has the same desire for us to keep it moving. So it's a, it's a two-way street, right? God wants us to keep it going, keep it flowing, keep it growing. I don't know how many other things I can end with ING. <laughs> keep it glowing. I don't know what else there is. But God wants us to keep, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it going, right? Doesn't want us to be stagnant. All right, first passage that I'll look into is Genesis 15, verse 13. And I'll be reading from the NLT, and it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Great. Right? I just talked about freedom. God's saying, slavery, 400 years. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Why does God, so intent on keeping it moving, keeping it going, keeping it flowing, glowing, going, and it says, okay, you're going to be at the same place, same situation for 400 years. That's four generations at the very least. Right? Why does God want to keep the Israelites at the same place for 400 years? Now, the more we continue to read the word as to what is involved in these 400 years, it's actually going to unlock a lot of things for you as to what God is actually doing. So you may look at your situation, oh God, I've been here for a while, I've been here for weeks, I've been here for years, I've been here for months. My family has been in this thing generation after generation, we just can't break it. And it may look similar to this, it may look like, God, why am I going through this stuff? I thought giving my life to you will break these things away. I thought giving my life to you will, will change things in my family. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought this, I thought that, I thought this. And you may feel that. You have every right to feel that. And when we look at this passage, it feels so counterintuitive when I'm saying these things, when you come in on a Sunday, when you hear a message throughout the week that talks about freedom, it feels like, yeah, this is great. It may work for someone else, but it's not working for me. But I want to encourage you that there is something happening. You may not see it, but there is something happening. In the 400 years, in the generations that's involved in that, I'm not going to mention every single name of every single person that has lived under, you know, through the generations from Abraham to, to Moses. But I'll just mention a few. So we see Abraham, we see Isaac, Esau and Jacob, we see Joseph, and then finally we see Moses in that 400-year span. But what do we get? What, what do we see in that 400 years of slavery? We see Abraham... What did, what did he receive from God through that time of slavery? He received a promise. Right? And where did that lead to? We have Isaac. What did we witness that God can move powerfully through? Obedience. Now, we see Esau and Jacob. What do we see in that, in that little situation between the brothers? We saw identity. All these, there are three things. And then we see, we see Joseph. What do we see in Joseph's life? 
blessings in the famine. And after Joseph, what do we, what do we see? We're going down the line, we see Moses. What did he do? We saw miracles, we saw freedom. We saw the Israelites heading out of Egypt and into the promised land. 400 years, all these things happened. All these things were being developed in the Israelites. So that's what was happening through the slavery, through the time of the hardship, through the time of the challenges. So you could say, if we take that in a personal level, that's character development. That's character growth. God is growing you. God is growing us in our time of challenges. But what did this mean for the Israelites? He, what is he doing? He's growing a nation. He's growing his people. He's developing his people in this time of slavery for what? Not just a promised land where they can, they can eat oversized grapes. But what was God doing? Outside of the 400, outside of the, the sphere of the Israelites, what was God doing here in the promised land? What was he doing? He was removing the Amorites, a force that the Israelites weren't able to contend with. So God was dealing with something here at the same time as the Israelites were dealing with something over there. As they were growing, God was removing what didn't belong. God was preparing the space. God was preparing the promise. Because the promise still stood. We hear Genesis 15, 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, You will be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, or they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. It sounds bad when we read it like that, but when we go through the 400 years, when we go through the details, when you go through the details of your life, looking back on it now, you see breakthrough. You see things that you wouldn't have received otherwise. You see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. If it wasn't for those 400 years of slavery, how would those things have been developed? How would those things, how those characteristics been developed in the children of God? Now, I'm not saying God, you know, at times that would be the case. You will go through challenges, you will go through hardship. I'm not saying that's the only way you will grow. But see how God can use a challenging situation to sharpen you like never before. And at times, when we see this, 400 years, that's it, we're stuck. We're staying there. God's not doing anything. This is all there is to it. And that's the danger of that attitude, of that thought of, is this all there is to it? Is my Christian walk, is my journey with God, is this it? Do I just come in on a Sunday, I serve, go back home, six days later, rinse and repeat? Is this it? For those that said no, that's correct. <laughs> For those that are unsure, it's a no. <laughs> there is far more than what God has, is intending for you than just coming in on a weekly, listening to podcasts on a daily. But he wants you to keep it moving, keep it growing. Looking at the, the next passage, I want to take you to Judges chapter 2, verse 10. We'll start from there, we'll go to verse 15. But I want to read you this passage because this is, this is the result of when we don't keep it moving. Right? And for some of us, we've gotten so comfortable with, with coming to church, with, with going to church and, and really, you know, drop your kids off at, at Faith Kids, drop your youth off at Zeal, and that's it. Let them just handle it. Let the pastors and the leaders handle that. They'll bring my kid back way better than I've never seen them before. And like, wow, this is huge, this is different. But this is what happens when we don't get involved in building up the next generation. This is what happens when we don't get involved with the plans of God and just allowing other people to influence our family. Right? From verse 10, it says, After that generation died. Now, this is the time uh, after Moses. 
They've gone through all that stuff, 400 years of slavery, all done and dusted. They've stepped into, they've seen the promised land. Well, you know, some of the spies have seen the promised land. We've seen all these things. They've seen what God can do. They've seen what, the miracles that God can do, what God can achieve. See, all that stuff. Joshua comes up, leads the Israelites, goes through many battles, wins them all, sees breakthrough and all the things that God can do. But when Joshua passes, this is what happens. After the generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. One generation. That's like, let, let me paint a picture. For those that have kids right now, let's say you've experienced all these things that God can do in your life. You know the breakthrough. You have countless testimonies. But when you pass, your kids don't know who God is. That's what this is talking about. So I want to ask you, when you pass, are you confident, are you 100% confident that they will continue their race after you leave this earth? For those that aren't parents, how about those that are, that are around you, your friends, or your family? If you leave this earth, you being the only light and the example of church around them, would they still seek God? And that's what we need to ask ourselves. Is, are we being influential? Are we being purposeful? Are we carrying the baton to pass it on to the next generation or have we stopped running? Have we become stagnant? Have we become complacent? Have we become so comfortable on our daily routine that we forgot to even share the good news to our family? Have we become so comfortable that the only time you listen to praise and worship is at church. Now, I'm not saying you have to blast it 24-7 while you sleep and while you do anything and everything. You don't have to do that. But do those around you see you praising? Do those around you see you worshipping? Do those around you know that, okay, this person worships God? Because they'll identify something different about you, but because you never shared with them why it's so different, what that difference is, they'll never know. And then they'll never receive that. One of the things that God identified, or wants to identify for each and every one of us here today, is that we are pioneers of breakthrough. There is breakthrough that we carry, not only in our own lives, but in the family's lives, and those around us, we have the opportunity to see breakthrough happen. We have that opportunity. And why I say pioneers of breakthrough is because at times without your influence, people won't ever see that breakthrough. Without you getting involved, without you really seeking and desiring God in your life, you're not going to see that breakthrough in your life. You may feel like there's a breakthrough out of your own works because you've really worked hard for it and you've received the blessing from that. That's great. But you'll find that that's only temporary. You'll find that once you stop working and once you rest, that blessing will cease. And that's one of the ways that you know, okay, where is this blessing sourced from? Who is providing this blessing and I want to remind you that the blessing that God has for you is eternal. But at times we settle for temporary because it's convenient, more comfortable. 
I don't need to praise and worship God on a Sunday. I don't need to clap my hands. There's already 50 people around me doing that. What does one extra clap every few, few beats matter? And I'm saying, this is your breakthrough that we're talking about. Other people's claps won't get your breakthrough there. It's your, it's your praise, it's your worship that will get you there. God is a personal God. Why would he get someone else to do something that you can achieve yourself? At times, other people will come in, step in and intercede. It does happen. But I want to ask you, why wait for that when you can personally step into the kingdom, personally step into the courtroom yourself? And that is the opportunity that you have, not only just this morning, but tomorrow, the day after that, the week after that. Let's go from verse 13. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions, who turned them over to their enemies all around, and, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. Verse 16, Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers, Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshipping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the, from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. You know, for some of us in the 400 years of, you know, of what God was saying, 400 years of slavery, not every person of the, of the Israelites were born at the start of the 400 years. Some are born in the middle of it. Some were born at the latter end of it, and some were, of course, born at the start of it. And for some of us, some of us are, are born into challenges. Some of us marry into challenges. Some of us, you know, in these 400 years, you may find yourself positioned at different stages of this time of slavery. It could be Another example could be your, your parents could be born-again Christians and then you're the second generation of, of, this, of this race. And with this, God is saying, you know, he's developing something in you, right? That is to be carried on. God is a generational God and he won't just bless one generation and leave the other generation out, but there is going to be a flow. So God encourages you to keep things moving. In verse 16, when it talks about, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Verse 17, yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. If we rephrase a few of the words here and change the word judges, to, let's say, preachers, right? And we change the word Israelites to the word believers. Now let's go through it again. It says, then the Lord raised up preachers to rescue the believers from their attackers. Yet the believers did not listen to the pastors or the, spree or the preachers, but, pro but prostituted themselves by worshipping other gods how quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. At times, we come in on a Sunday, we hear podcasts, we hear messages, we read books, we read the word, but it goes in one ear and out the other. It goes in one ear and out the other. And it, it's, it's not that there's an issue with you. It's not that God doesn't want you to receive a download but when we read or when we study or when we receive the word, God wants us to seek him with it. Pray about it, meditate about it. What's the rush? Go through it, digest the word, receive everything that it has for you and your family. And that's another key that, that's there for each and every one of us this morning is 
there is power in meditating in the word. Because at times God will give you a word, God will give you a song, God will give you a message, a picture, a vision. And we may not catch it, we may not catch what God is doing there because we're not sitting in it long enough. The Israelites were, were in Egypt for 400 years. Now, I'm not saying you have to sit in your message for 400 years, but God intends time to be used completely for them to receive it. But here's the danger. Right? In a practical sense, this is, this is what happens when we don't continue to pass the baton. We don't continue to, to share the good news. We don't continue to share our testimonies onto the next generation. Mark chapter 6, we'll turn to there, we'll go from verse 1. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath he began teaching in a synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4, then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. There's a lot of things that God can do. But he can't do anything with you if there is dishonor and unbelief. We could be praying, we could be seeking, we could be desiring, we can continue to all do, do all these things because someone else had said so but we won't be able to receive that breakthrough if there is dishonor and there is unbelief. But how do we, AJ, how do we, how do we develop that? How do we grow that? Read the word. How do I get better at praying? Read the word. You'll find that a lot of things that we may find challenging with our relationship with God is the very thing that we need to do. If you find it hard to pray, funnily enough, the best way to develop that is to pray. Anyway, that's, that's another thing. Looking at Mark chapter 6, we start to see the development, the flow, right? Because at first, they, they received him well. They were like, wow, this is the best. This is the best message I've ever heard. This is so good. This is so refreshing. This, is, this identifies with me so much. And they ask, oh, but who is, this? Who, is this? who is this person? And then from that conversation, things developed. And not in the good direction, but in the opposite direction. Where the thing that they were able to receive so readily able to receive through conversation with one another, they went to a different path. And now God can't do a thing with them. We have to be mindful as to who we are talking with. We have to be mindful as to who we are around with. Where is your wisdom coming from? Where, who are you conversing with? A lot of things in the Word, and there's a lot, a lot of moments in the Bible that a lot of things became unhinged, a lot of things were broken, relationships were broken because of conversation. The very first thing, the fall of man happened because of a conversation. Who are you conversing with? Who are you sharing your, your wisdom with? In that time, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't get wisdom from, 
from people outside of the church. You still can. And God may speak through them. But not everything that everyone says, whether they go to church or not, is kingdom wisdom. But how do you identify that? How, do you, how can you discern what's kingdom wisdom and how do you discern what's just earthly wisdom, just masked up with kingdom language? Ask God. Do you think that when you ask him, he's going to be like, I can't believe you're asking me right now. I thought you trusted me. I guess uh, God's not like that. When Thomas had that thought of doubt, what did he do? He asked Jesus, Jesus, I just need to see proof. Jesus didn't say, oh my goodness, Thomas, why do you always do this? You're always asking for proof. Here, here's the whole man, here, touch it. And he started doing tricks with it and stuff like that. God, Jesus didn't need to do that. He didn't have that attitude of annoyance when, when someone is asking him for proof or clari- clarity. God's ready to, to clarify things for you. All you need to do is swallow that pride. We need to swallow that pride and just say, God, I don't understand this. And that's why God doesn't reveal himself fully to each and every one of us because we, we can never understand. Because we, if, uh, if we understand him completely, then we'll never go to him. We'll never have a relationship with him. And so God wants to build that relationship. God wants to develop that relationship because he just doesn't want you to come to heaven and be disconnected. He wants you to be there in heaven and have a relationship, intimate relationship with him for all of eternity. He doesn't want you to just be another number. He wants you to be there intentionally. And he wants you to be here intentionally as well. So watch where we gather our wisdom because even the stuff I'm saying, if you're unsure, pray about it, ask God about it. Anything that you hear, anything that you read, anything that you watch, if you're unsure, pray about it, ask God. Even if it's complete truth and you ask God, I don't understand, God will reveal it to you. God will illuminate it to you that will make sense to you personally. God will identify it and make it something so relatable to you that it it just makes sense. You can't be confused about it. God doesn't work in confusion, right? It may not make sense to you. You may be confused right now. But if you ask God, he'll clarify things. He'll clear it up for you. The last point I want to head into as I'm nearing a close is, you know, the the word talks to us about having a fear of God and a fear fear of man. You know, when we read these words, fear, or the particular word, fear, one of the things that comes into mind is, is being afraid or being scared or being frightened by whatever it is, right? Like a phobia or I have a, I have a fear of heights. I have a fear of spiders. I have a fear of this and that. Okay. But it's a bit different. When, it, when it's talking about fear in the word, it's a bit different. And you'll find that this actually unlocks a lot of things regarding fear in each of our lives, right? Now, the word also tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And we can read that passage, we can read it over and over again, and be like, yep, God, I may be afraid of this, but you love me so much, I shouldn't be afraid of it, right? That's great. But for us to really receive that, we need to understand what this fear is, what this fear means. Now, what fear is identified to be, right, isn't that you're afraid of something, but you're actually submitting under something. You're submitting yourself under it, right? You're giving authority to that thing that you fear, right? So, if we look at Proverbs 29:25, with that knowledge and with that revelation, he says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man. And that's a lot of things that, that's, 
We all, we all face this in one way or another. Fear of man. Fear of what someone else is thinking about you. The fear of, oh, what will this person think? What will this person say if I do this or do that? What will this person say if I jump up and down during praise and worship? What would, what would the people around me say if I raise my hand and I clap and respond during, you know, while the preacher is speaking? What, what will people say and, and do if they find out that I go to church on a Sunday? What, what, what will people say and, and do and what will they think of me if I talk about God more than I talk about the weather? What will people say and do when they ask me, oh, what, what, how was your weekend? And I say, oh, I went to church on Sunday. It was really good. But instead, I, I, you know what? I'm going to change it to, oh, yeah, it was all right. You know, I had time with family. It was, it was restful. It was good. Got to get some rest. And you see that the fear of man is the thing that slows you down. That's why it says fear of man will prove to be a snare. Not that, <laughs> not that, not that on the drum kit, but I said it's, it'll be a trap. It'll be something that will keep you stagnant, it'll keep you vulnerable. And it's, you know, a snare, a, a trap isn't something that is, it's not comfortable. At first it's, at first it's uncomfortable, but then we're just like, all right, well, I'm stuck here now. May as well make the most of it, enjoy myself a bit. But through that vulnerability, you know, Chris understands this. When you set up a trap, the hunter's not just going to say, okay, you know, your time here is done. See you later. Mm-hmm. There is an intention to hunt. There is an intention to, to end it there. So when we have a fear of man... And when we're snared, when when we're trapped there, when we're in our vulnerable state, the enemy has us right where he wants us. He's vulnerable. She's vulnerable. They can't do anything. Look at them. They're getting comfortable. They're resting. They're just trying to survive now. They're not thriving. They're not living in freedom. Now is when I can attack. And asking God, well, what is this? Like, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What am I, why am I trapped? Why does the enemy keep going against me? Why, am I, why can't I see any breakthrough in my life? Why can't I see any breakthrough in my family? It's because you're trapped. You're ensnared. You're, you're vulnerable. You're weakened. And a lot of things that you're saying over your life is shame, is, is guilt, is, is regret. Oh, why did I go here? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Now the enemy's in your head. The enemy's in your head, playing in your head that there's no hope, that there's nothing else. But I want to encourage you, church, that you can break away from this. This is, this is not the full stop. This is not the full stop in your life. This is not the full stop in your family's life or in your children's life. If God wanted it to be a full stop, then he'll, he'll make it a full stop. But what does this word tell us? But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So despite all the things, all the traps that the enemy has placed, despite all those thoughts, that's why the word tells us, you know, to just like, you know, when a thought comes in, seize it, capture it. Is this something that I want to hold on to? Is this thought of fear of man something that I want to hold to in my life, hold to in my family? Or do I let that go and trust in God? Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 from the NIV says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience, to love him, to serve him, with what? With all your heart and with all your soul. Not just half of you, 
not just with your hands, not just with your thoughts or your words, but with all of you. Why all? Because he doesn't want any interview snared. He doesn't want any interview trapped or doing things without purpose or intention. He wants every part of you to be purposeful. He wants every part of you to be free. He wants every part of you in heaven. He wants every part of you to be blessed. And so the trap is, is that when we don't lean in, when we don't position ourselves to him, we're leaning on what? We're going onto something else. We're leaning onto the trap, we're leaning onto the snare, we're leaning onto vulnerability, we're leaning onto pain, we're leaning onto anxiety, leaning onto depression, we're leaning onto what? Whereas God wants freedom, provision, blessing, breakthrough, all these things that the word tells us, you're either in one or the other, which path are you on? No, as I, as, I draw, as I come to a close, I'll just ask for the worship team to come back up. You know, the word tells us that we're running a race. Right? The word tells us we're running a race. And for the longest time, I thought it was just a solo run, 100-meter sprint, just by myself, start to finish, finish the race, I've done my best, gonna head on to heaven, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant, and I'll be like, yes, well done indeed. I did it, I killed it, thank you. But, but God is a generational God, so that changes things. That changes the run, that changes the race. It changes from me just doing a solo 100 meter sprint now I'm in a relay. That means you're in a relay. We're in a relay. Our kids are, in part of, are a part of this relay. Our grandkids are a part of this relay. Our great-grandkids are part of this relay. So in your race right now, 100-meter sprint, you run your 100 meters. In a relay, 400 meters. 400 years, four generations. You'll find that a lot of things that, you know, in the generations coming from Abraham all the way down to Moses, if they had passed the baton onto the next generation and the generation after that, they would have exactly what they needed at that time. Abraham had the promise, received the promise. Can you imagine? if that, pro that baton of promise was carried all the way through to the Israelites while they were in slavery, if they knew, oh, 400 years, it's coming to an end, we, we, we're out of here. Can you imagine if they knew that? Can you imagine if they held on to that? Can you imagine if they held on to that hope, that freedom, that, that knowing that they're gonna be free any day now? I mean, Moses would have had a much easier time. Moses would have said, all right, guys, 400 years, let's go. He didn't need to do any convincing, he didn't need to do any of that. If they had held onto the baton from the very beginning, that promise from the very beginning, they, did, they wouldn't have had to walk 40 years in a desert doing laps around a little cactus, all right? They would have stepped into promised land straight away. Why? Because they knew what the promise was and they knew what was ready for them. They knew what was prepared for them. What else? What did, what did Isaac carry? Obedience. If that baton of obedience was carried through all the way to the end, then the Israelites would have held on to that and knew that what God was saying is complete truth. They wouldn't have questioned him. They would have said, all right, God, let's go this way. Let's go this way. Done. We're here. Obedience. They wouldn't have to, you know, 
makeup and build like a, like a gold calf and all these kind of things and go sway here and there with their belief. They didn't need to do all that. How about Esau and Jacob? Identity. If identity, if the baton of identity was carried through all the way. How about Joseph? Blessings in the famine. How God is still blessing them despite their situation, while, despite them roaming around the desert. Can you see how all these things, all these batons that started from the start, if it was carried through all the way, they would have seen breakthrough. So what does this mean for us? The baton you're carrying right now, the testimony you're carrying right now, the freedom, the breakthrough, the experience, the revelation, the stuff that you're carrying right now. You may not see its purpose in your lifetime, but it will be the very thing that your bloodline will need down the line to receive breakthrough. But this is what happens when we, when we don't pass it down. Think of it like this, right? If I had my baton, let's just say it's, it's this, right? If I'm running my 100 meters and I slow down, stop 50 meters, I slow down, I stop. There's still 50 meters for me to go until I pass the baton. God is faithful enough for that baton to still be passed into the next generation anyway. But what does that mean? It means that the person here waiting, the next generation, your children, what do they have to do? They have to go back. Back 50 meters. So now for where they need to be or called and destined to be, then they have to run 150 meters. But they may not even make it to 150 meters. Maybe they'll make it to 80 because they have to go back. They run to the 80 meters. They're still 70 meters behind. Now the next generation has to go back. Do you see how everything just goes back, goes back, goes back? And that's the danger of complacency. This is the danger of where we're at right now. Depending where we're at, depending how hard we run, will depend where the launch point is going to be for the next generation. We have, you know, if we have a desire, for, you know, each and every one of us, we want to provide for our family. So we prepare, we get all this, we pull up, and then you want to give that money to your kids before you pass away and then you know, that's how the whole will thing is, is born. They're, they're standing on your shoulders to be getting higher and higher, right? But can you imagine if we had that same attitude but with our faith? Can you imagine if we had that same attitude where we pulled up all these testimonies and blessings and we poured it out onto our children so when they lead their lives onto the next generation that they can stand on something greater than where you're at right now? You know, this morning we have an opportunity. These are, you know, as I said, these are keys for us to receive breakthrough in our family, receive breakthrough in our communities and in our workplaces. Now, at the end of the service, there will be a time to respond. There'll be a time to, you know, receive Christ in your life. But most importantly, there's a time for you to recommit. A time for you to say, "All right, God." I want to intentionally run this race. There'll be a time after the service. But I want to ask you to really meditate on this. Put weight on this because your influence is more than just this short amount of time here on earth. But it carries on to the next generation. I'm 28 right now, right? I'm 28. I'm getting old. I'm getting really old. The life expectancy on earth nowadays is it's rare to see someone over the age of 90. We celebrate that. On average, we're going to pass at the age of 80 onwards if we're doing well. So on my age, I'm looking at 50 years until I start 
having to say, okay, I'm going to wrap things up here. I'll see you guys on the other side. 50 years. What am I going to do for the next 50 years? I know this is a heavy note right now that we're ending on, but some of us are 50 onwards. Nothing wrong with that. Right? But what are you going to do for the next 30 years, 20 years, 10 years? What's your influence going to be? What's your legacy going to be? What, you know, what's your run going to be at? It's not too late. You may feel like, you know, your faith journey has just started today. It's not too late. God can still take you to that full 100 meters in one year. But you need to be intentional in the run. Intentional in the sprint. For those younger ones, they're blessed. They've got plenty of time. Right? But it doesn't mean that they should slow down anymore. Because can you imagine if we run further than 100 meters? Can you imagine if we were able to run the full 400 meters, one person, and then the other person does another 400? In four generations, you're covering, I don't know, math, 1,600 kilometers, like, not kilometers, meters. See, we're able to achieve. We're able to achieve breakthrough in our family, in our life. So church, let's just let's close our eyes, bow our heads into prayer. Let's just lean in. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for this morning. Thank you for the freedom that you've set for us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you are such a personal God, that you want to see breakthrough in our lives, that you want to see freedom in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that what we're in right now isn't the end. It's not all there is to it. It's not all there is to the faith. It's not all there is to having a relationship with you, but there is more. And thank you, Lord, that we even have the opportunity to keep things moving, to keep things going. So, Heavenly Father, fill us up this morning. Dwell in us this morning. Dwell in our households. Dwell in our family. Dwell in our workplace. Give us the... Just remind us, actually, God, remind us of who we are. Remind us of our identity and remind us of the breakthrough in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.